Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inspired Evolution, and this week I am beyond inspired to introduce you guys to Dr. John Martini. Dr. John Martini has been one of the most massive inspirations on my journey. He helps connect people to their values so that they can live the most vibrant version of themselves. His philosophies are so deep and so enriching. He's always learning, always growing, and always sharing from his heart. One of the deepest messages he has that your life is just a feedback mechanism for what you believe and what your values demonstrate from inside you. He has been a personal development titan for 40 years. He travels, he he shares, he learns, he teaches. This is such an exciting conversation. This week's podcast is sponsored by Lifecycle. Lifecycle are Australia's leading medicinal mushroom growers. They're focused on solving global issues using mushroom biotechnologies. Lifecycle's magic mushroom ranges enable and enhance states of well-being in delicious and convenient drinks. My personal experience with medicinal mushrooms is that in the last four years that I've been taking medicinal mushrooms as a health supplement in my morning tonics, I have not been sick for the last four years. My personal favorites are Shaga, Ray cordyceps and lion's mane a little bit about them shaga is great for your immunities reishi is great to recover and de-stress uh, lion's mane is great as a nootropic and cordyceps great for performance at the moment the guys at life cycle have been they've been so generous so kind they're really supporting the work that the inspired evolution is doing and they love the vibe that we're all about so they're offering the listeners of the inspired evolution 15 percent off anything that you want to order from life cycle so 
I'm completely humbled by this generous offer of theirs. So find your way to their website, check out what's on offer. Again, my favorites are Shaga, Reishi, Lion's Mane, and Cordyceps, and get yourself 15% off. 15% off comes with a discount code with the name Amrit, A-M-R-I-T, my first name. Chuck that in there, upgrade your health, look after yourself, and tune into a yummy conversation here. to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such a treat today. I have the honor of having the vibes to share with you today the time with Dr. John Martini. John, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. It is such a blessing to have you here. For those listening into John for the first time, Dr. Martini is considered one of the world's leading authorities on human behavior and personal development. He is the founder of the Martini Institute, a private research and education organization which has a curriculum of over 72 courses covering multiple aspects of human development. His trademark methodologies in human development, the Martini Method and the Martini Value Determination are combinations of over 46 years of cross-disciplinary research and study, all utilised in all focused on human development in different uh, industries across the world. He travels 360 days a year. He's totally committed to this. Um, to countries all over the globe where he shares his research and findings in all markets and sectors. He's the author of 40 books published in 29 different languages. He has produced over 60 CDs and DVDs covering subjects such as development and relationships, wealth, education, business. He has created over 72 different courses, the most advanced of which is a 21-year correspondence course. And each program is designed to assist people to activate leadership and empower all different seven areas of their life, whether this is financial, physical, mental, vocational, spiritual, family, or social. Um, This is... Such a blessing to be here, John. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> so I think um, normally I like to I like to weave these really lighthearted, but I've got some time here with you today, so I'm going to go straight straight into it. Um, the first of all, let's touch into just where the bio left off, which is you know your financial, physical, mental, vocational, spiritual, family, and social. Um, these things are all so diverse, and there's so much going on there, right? But you you. You, you advise on all, all seven aspects. Um, can, I, can I tap into as to why that is the case? And I have my own philosophical understanding of perhaps that they all are the one thing at the end of the day, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are there. Um, well, first of all, I uh, had a dream when I was 18 years old to wake up my mental capacities and create original ideas that served humanity. I had a desire to have an international business. I desired to be financially independent. I uh, wanted to have a global family, which most people don't relate to, but I've, I've always depicted as Socrates and Einstein always felt that the universe was their, their home and their family was the world. And I, I relate to that. I, I had a desire to to interact and influence and associate with uh, amazing people across the world, celebrities and leaders, etc. I had a desire to have a vital body. I'm 64, just about, so I'm have a vital body and do extraordinary things at, at riper ages. And I want to be inspired and contribute to an inspirational movement, mm-hmm. um, philosophical movement across the world. And that was the dream. And I, and I felt that a person that has seven areas of life they can empower 
in any area of their life they don't empower, somebody else overpowers. So I wanted to empower all those areas, and I wanted to exemplify that because Einstein said the greatest teacher is exemplification. I wanted to be a teacher. So I set out to do that, and I have been blessed quite uh, fruitfully in each of these areas. I, I, I was able to contribute ideas that are novel across the world, uh, methodologies, etc. I definitely have a global business. I'm definitely financially independent. Um, I definitely have a global family dynamic. Jet set gypsies, we call ourselves. And uh, I, I meet amazing people from prime ministers to, to presidents to ambassadors to celebrities, all kind of people. And I have the opportunity to uh, keep a very intense schedule, pretty well seven days a week, which some people don't comprehend and they think it's crazy. And um, I've also met great spiritual leaders and contributed to spiritual constructs and philosophical constructs. So I'm a firm believer that it is possible to master those areas and empower those areas. And I don't think a life is complete without having a contribution and expansion in each of these areas. Otherwise you tend to be overpowered by other people. That doesn't mean you can't uh, partner with somebody that has an excels in another area and you have your areas and they have their areas and together you make a team. That's perfectly um, feasible, but that's a bit of a dependency type of dynamic instead of a sharing I always say like covalent bonds in chemistry is sharing and the other is an ionic bond, which is dependencies. And I wanted to be able to empower my areas of life and have a partner that's empowered in all areas and um, has global influence. So I I set out to do that and achieve that. So I'm I'm a believer that it's doable. And that's why I try my best to share uh, influence in those areas and insights and methodologies that can help people in those areas. It's such a blessing to have you sharing these insights. Um, so there's something really potent that you touched on in there, which was, you know, um, an area that you don't empower, um, someone else will overpower. Can we tell? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, where does like what does that? Um, yeah, where did that come from? And like, that? well, it's it's part of a, a thermodynamic physics actually. Mm-hmm. Um, most people can relate to the idea that if they don't fill their day with high priority actions that inspire them, their day will fill up with low priority distractions that don't. And if they don't get up and dedicate their life to something that's meaningful, um, they will be inundated with distractions that are meaningless, pure meaningless. Mm -hmm. And the same thing in the areas of life. If you don't empower yourself intellectually, you'll be told what to think. If you don't empower yourself vocationally, you'll be told what to do. If you don't empower yourself financially, you'll be told what you're worth. And that's a social security, which is a self-depreciation, an average. If you don't empower yourself in relationships, you probably have a, a regret in your life and later on in your life and realize that you've been pushed around there. If you don't empower yourself socially, you'll be told what to think and a paradigm, a dogma, that, that uh, propaganda that you may not even know is propaganda. If you don't empower yourself physically, you'll be told what organs to remove or what drugs to take. And if you don't empower yourself spiritually, you may subordinate to dogmatic uh, rigidities that actually hinder adaptability and expansion of consciousness. So I'm a firm believer that uh, it's not hard to see that, that the people, if they do pursue empowering those areas, and I don't mean power by overpowering others, it's just the power to be able to live congruently and fulfill what's truly meaningful and inspiring and priority to you. That's what power meant. 
empowerment is not about overriding somebody. It's about being empowered. But basically, if we don't empower our lives, we get overpowered. And the more areas of our life that we don't empower, the more it appears that the world around us controls us. And there's an executive center in the brain, the medial prefrontal cortex, the telencephalon, the forebrain, that is involved in inspired vision, strategic planning, executing plans, and self-governance. And anytime you're living congruently according to what you value most, you wake that area up, and blood glucose and oxygen goes to that area of the brain, and that enhances our potential and resilient ability to um, master our life and have a governed life. And if we don't live by high priorities and we subordinate to the influence of other people and live in the shadows of people instead of showing the shoulders of giants, we tend to live in the amygdala, which is about voiding pain and seeking pleasure, which leads to futility. As a Buddhist says, the desire for that which is unavailable and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable is a source of human suffering. So the, the, the passionate illusion of striving for a polarized one-sided world instead of embracing the two sides of ourselves and the people around us and the world in general is, is a, a disempowered state. So we're here to empower all areas of our life. Our physiological, psychological, sociological, and even theological tenets are governed uh, inwardly for that objective. I absolutely adore that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry when we're working through this, you talk a lot about congruence. And, um, and I love the way you, you have these, like it's almost like the philosophy is grounded in hard science and the way the brain is formed together. Um, I know we're probably going to have a chat about myelination as well at some point. Um, but the, when we talk about the congruence, um, basically mastering our life and how we find perhaps its flow or... Um, you know, when we're living by our highest priorities, how we show up, um, it's, it's all, all, like almost everything sort of clicks into place a lot more, a lot fuller, you end up mastering your life. Um, where, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by this for, for you to share more on this. Um, and also, like, where did that stem from in your personal life? Well, every, every human being lived with a set of priorities, a set of values, things that are most important, least important in their life. They evaluate and project their evaluations onto things, people and events, etc. all nouns and verbs. And whatever is highest on our value, we are spontaneously inspired from within to fulfill. Yeah. And whatever is low on our values, we require motivation and extrinsic motivation to get us to do it. A young boy who loves video games spontaneously gets up and does his video game. and doesn't need to be reminded, motivated, or incentivized to do his video game but he may have to be incentivized and motivated to do his homework or chores because he doesn't see the connection between those and what he values most. So anytime somebody's not pursuing what is truly most important to them, most valuable to them and congruently living according to it, they're going to require outside motivation. And motivation is a symptom, never a solution for humanity. It's a symptom of an unengaged humanity and an unengaged individual. So identifying what's really most valuable, is, that's, where you're, that's where you're disciplined, reliable, and focused. That's not where you procrastinate, hesitate, and frustrate. It's also, when you pursue it, where your brain is maximally effective. Your brain is a telos, or highest value-seeking organ. It's designed to have selected biased attention, selected biased retention, selected biased imagination, selected biased intention on what is most important. So if a mother walks in a mall and her highest value is her children, and she's 35 and has three beautiful children that are under five, she's going to spot children's items in the mall. 
where her husband, who may be an entrepreneur, for instance, to counterbalance her, may spot computers and suits and things that will help him in business. So our thalamus has a pulmonary region that's involved in filtering and gating information in our sensory input and constantly filters it and helps us see things that will help us maximize our life, our fulfillment. And our glial cells will myelinate, neutrify, and literally neuroplastic remodel the brain to maximize the potential for the, what, what the fulfillment of that highest value. And anytime you are congruent with that and living with intentions and attentions that are congruent with it, you maximize your, your achievement, you maximize your self-worth, because when you're living on highest values, you grow in self-worth, lower values, lower it. You automatically expand your space and time horizons because as you achieve, you want to take on greater achievements. Just like young boys doing a video game, the second they conquer it, they want to go to the bigger game, more challenging game. They pursue challenges that inspire them, which wakes up innovation, creativity, and genius and, 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 and innovative original ideas and thinking. It automatically increases their blood again into the brain and allows us the core, cortical forebrain to come alive. And it also allows you to see an inspired vision. And those with a vision flourish and those without a vision perish. So all of our, our greatest capacities spontaneously emerge if we're congruent. And this is where we have integrity and this is where we have leadership. We have a leader inside that's dormant, at least in most people's lives, because they have been subordinating to other people living in their shadows instead of giving themselves permission to shine living congruently. And once they do, they do enormous um, catalytic um, literally inspirational actions. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer in helping people identify what they value most and, and helping them set sail as captain of their ship, master of their fate, and uh, master of their destiny to, to structure their life architecturally where they delegate lower priority things and get on with doing with the things that they feel called to do. That's the calling that they have. That's the mission. And those are the mission have a message and a vision that changes the world. Absolutely adore that. For me, that is inspired evolution. It's <laughs> such a treat to have you. So I really want to um, explore that uh, even further because I think there's this essence of when I, when I first saw you speak, um, I, I was really excited because you had, um, if I may share humbly, a message that's been burning in my heart for a long time, which you shared even more eloquently than I can. Pardon, pardon me saying, is there a way you can maybe increase your volume? I'm having a bit of a hard time listening to everything. Sure. Give me two secs. Um, that would be great because I was uh, you're a bit um, faint on the sound I don't know if mine is but I know yours is how's that is that better oh that's great thank you awesome um, thank you for tuning in um, yeah so there's this message that I've been carrying around which is health and purpose are in fact the same thing and uh, that's what the message behind and fundamental behind the inspired evolution is trying to support people to get onto purpose so that they can live the healthiest versions of themselves. And uh, fundamentally it, it looks like again and again, documenting stories of people that are living on purpose. Um, but the thing driving that fundamentally is I'm, I'm concerned with everybody's health and wellbeing. Um, and I love when I first saw you, it was, you know, you completely, uh, encompass this message in your teachings and I was so enthusiastic to, to share this message um, with people again and again and um, there's this thing about feedback even in terms of the congruence how your life is producing this feedback in terms of whether you are in alignment or not um, that you were so eloquently sharing when I saw you spoke well uh, when you live according to priority 
and you you prioritize your life and live congruently with what you value most. The forebrain is involved in objective reason. Mm-hmm. And when you're living by lower values as a result of subordinating to other people and comparing yourself to others and feeling too humble to admit what you see in them is inside you, you tend to, because of the unfulfillment, pursuing other people's goals and not your own, you uh, tend to go into the amygdala and want to avoid pain and seek pleasure and to look for immediate gratification to compensate for the unfulfillment. I would say that uh, addictive behavior is a compensation for unfulfilled highest values. Now, what happens is there you become very subjectively biased, not objectively reasoned. You go into an emotional feeling, a passion of avoiding pain and seeking pleasure, again, which is futile. And this leads to what is called confirmation bias, disconfirmation bias, false attribution bias. There's many biases in, in awareness and perception. These biases divide the con- full consciousness into the conscious and unconscious parts. Mm-hmm. So the second you evaluate somebody, and let's say you infatuate with some beautiful girl, and you see the upsides, but you don't see the downsides. Well, you're conscious of the upsides, you're unconscious of the downsides. So the second you judge somebody and don't have equanimity and equity in your mind, you split your mind up into the conscious, unconscious halves, and you have a subjective bias in order to do it. The same thing if you resent somebody, you do the same. But whenever you resent something, it represents a predator. And whenever you infatuate with something, it represents a prey. You want to seek the prey. You want to avoid the predator. When you do, you activate the autonomic nervous system, which is the parasympathetic for the prey and the sympathetic for the predator. When you do, you create uh, neurotransmitter alterations, imbalances, and neurochemistry imbalances. You get a dopamine, oxytocin, vasopressin, uh, encephalons, endorphins, estrogen, and serotonin if you get something to support your values. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And infatuate, but you get substance P and norepinephrine, epinephrine, testosterone, cortisol, and, and sometimes histamine when all of a sudden you have something that's challenging your values. So these chemistries and their transmitters go down to cells and tissues at the tissue level and activate receptors that cause a cascading of secondary messengers and then eventually uh, little molecules that help uh, activate the cell walls and then secondary enzymes and then eventually what they call um, epigenetic alterations with methylation from the sympathetic and acetylation from the parasympathetic, and the expression of genetic code is altered, which is producing structural or functional proteins, which are enzymes, and it changes physiology to let you know that your perceptions are subjectively biased 
And we have lost contact with those symptoms. I think some animals do a better job at knowing what their symptoms are meaning. But because we've been indoctrinated by a, primarily an allopathic profession for, you know, a pharmaceutical industry for a pill for every ill, we think that if we take a pill and we feel better, somehow we've cured. But the reality is that our symptoms may be part of the health process. Mm-hmm. If you want to pig out and you eat, uh, you know, an extraordinary amount of food and you wake up with puffy eyes, a gastric and, and, and you know, pains, diarrhea, cramps, uh, nasal congestion, eye irritation, uh, nausea, headache. You go to an allopathic physician, you're probably going to take a, a medication for six different things. Mm-hmm. And they're going to give you mm-hmm. symptoms and you think, oh, I feel better. And you're not going to learn the lesson about pigging out. But if you actually realize that the symptoms are actually part of health, they're actually trying to offer you a feedback to let you know that what you're doing in your behavior is an exaggeration and a biased perception of your capacity to take in food. And it's a distortion of reality. And it's wise to get the feedback and your symptoms are trying to guide you back to a wise way. And if you eat moderately and eat wisely and put, don't live to eat, but eat to live for maximum performance, your symptoms go away and your symptoms let you know that. So we've, we've lost contact with the feedback mechanisms of the physiology and the epigenetic uh, messages that it's bringing and very few people study applied physiology to understand how that physiology works and it's an extraordinary absolutely extraordinary field that when studied uh, reveals why we create our illnesses and but when we balance our perspective by living congruently with what we value most where we're more objective and objectivity means even-mindedness we bring a balance to our physiology as a result of a balanced mind so our, our brain is doing what it can it's a teleseeking organ. It's trying to get us to objective reason where we can advance ourselves with foresight instead of live by learning through hindsight. That's what distinguishes us from the animals. They live by, by hindsight. And they live by telenomics and the heuristics of trial and error. And we have foresight. We can mitigate risk and we can balance our perspective and make wise action and bring well-being and whole being and presence and certainty to our life. And so I, I'm a firm believer that our physiology and psychology is revealing um, our distortions when we're not living congruently. Thank you so much for sharing that. So in the essence of living congruently, um, is that congruent somewhat preordained, or is it predetermined, or is that spiritual? What is your idea there? Well, I, I, I've been, I wrote a book called The Values Factors. You probably get guessed or know, seen by now. But um, I asked myself, where do our values come from? Mm. And uh, Kohlberg, a psychologist, said that there were different stages of moral development, value development. The bottom and most primitive, usually between zero and one years old, is avoiding of pain and seeking pleasure, avoiding of punishment, seeking reward, avoiding of, of predators, seeking prey. It's the most primitive part of our brain that just it only has black and white there's no gray the next level is the subordination to individual authorities mothers fathers preachers teachers this is where freud said that anytime we inject the values of outer authorities into our life we create a superego that overrides our own and we usually then create this internal uh, self-depreciating moralization of our actions and judge ourselves whenever we hear ourselves saying i should i'm supposed to i got to i have to i must i need to these things are internal conflicts between authorities and what our real uh, yearnings are. Then you have next to the, after the individual authority, you have the collective authority. 
peer pressure. This is con convention tradition of, of community, city, state, nation, or world. And then finally, we have transcendence, where we actually are willing to give ourselves permission to be unique and stand as Giordano Bruno, as Galileo, as Copernicus, as Wagner, and, and other great minds. Um, they were willing to stand and, and take in the opposition, Gandhi, etc., cetera, uh, Nelson Mandela, take in the opposition and pursue something that was deeply meaningful that they felt called to do. And this is the highest level. It transcends the limited constructs of little baby morality and allows you to see things as a transcendent state where it's, things are neither good nor evil. They're just actions that are here to be taken and that uh, not being trapped by the limited moralities of people that live in the animal behavior. So the values come from a judgment. If you infatuate with something, you're too humble to admit what you see in them is inside you. And that part that you're dis disowning and deflecting and dismembering and, and, uh, and avoiding facing inside yourself becomes a void that wants to be fulfilled. And the same thing on resentment. If you're resenting somebody, you're too proud to admit what you see in them is inside you and you deflect, disown, dismember that part. And those disowned parts are voids inside us that are yearning to be able to eventually own and realize that we're all reflections of each other. There's nothing missing in us. As Schopenhauer says, we become our true self to the degree that we make everyone ourself. So you see the hero and the villain inside us. When we master embracing all sides of us, we get to be loved for who we are, as we are, not as we're supposed to be. And everybody wants to be loved unconditionally that way. So that's the only way to transcend the, the, the judgments. So it's our judgment that create these pairs of opposite voids. And these voids are yearning to be fulfilled. And fulfillment is the fulfillment of those parts that haven't been integrated and reintegrated now. And those are, that's the journey. And then each of us have different values and vantage points and evaluations from the injected values or our own values through life. And that was what makes us unique. No two people have the same set of values as a result of it. Amazing. Um, and it's really straightforward in the ways that I've come across the way that you introduce us to look around our space, look at our natural curiosities. Can you share more light for those listening? What the, um, what the easiest go-to is to uncover your values? Yeah, I, on my website, drdmartin.com, there's a complimentary value determination process. It'll take people about 30 minutes, and it will be as valid as their willingness to be truthful to themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I did is I, I've, for the last 40-something years, I've been uh, interested in, in axiology, values, and self-worth. And, and I, I, I ask people what they value, and most people, without even realizing it, will express the social idealisms of the, the individual or collective authorities about how that should be. And they'll say it's an integrity and honesty and all this stuff that you think, but that's not what their life demonstrates. And so I'm not interested in what they say. I'm interested in what their life actually lives. Uh -huh. And so what I did is I created 13 value determinants that are more grounded, more objective uh, and more realistic about what the person truly values and I look at how they fill their space because things that are valuable to you, you keep in your space and things that aren't, you toss. Then I look at how you spend your time. You make time, spend time, find time for things that are really valuable to you and you don't want to take time nor is find time for things that aren't. Then I look at exactly what you energizes. You have more energy at the end of the day when you're doing something that's high value on you than you and you're drained at the end of the day if you don't. So I look at where your energy is surging 
And I look at where you spend your money because you, you find money, make money, tend, tend to spend money on things that are valuable to you and will hold and hoard your money away from things that aren't valuable. Then I look at where you're most ordered, where you're most disciplined, because you're automatically disciplined spontaneously in your highest value. You need motivation in the lowest values. And you're organized in it. I've proven that over the, over the last four decades. Then I look at what you, what you think about most, about how you want your life that shows evidence coming true, what you visualize for yourself in an inner vision about how you want your life that shows evidence coming true, what you internally dialogue to yourself about, not negative self-talk, but the dialogue about how you want your life that shows evidence coming true. Then what do you most commonly want to converse with other people about and talk about in social settings? And when you get to do it, you're alive. Then what is it that inspires you and what's common to the people who have inspired you most? Minus great thinkers and philosophers and great Nobel Prize winners and people like that, which as a teacher makes sense. Uh, what is it that you're actually that inspired by? Then you look at what are the three most consistent, persistent goals that you pursue that are, calling, that are coming true. Not the ones that aren't, those are fantasies, but the ones coming true. And the last one is what do you spontaneously want to learn, study, read about, learn about, and look on Google about most? And you'll find that if you answer each of those questions three times each, and you get those 39 answers, you'll see a repetition to the pattern, and you'll see a pattern, the same answer showing up and up and up and up again. And whatever shows up most frequent, second most frequent, third most frequent are the top three values in your life. And I'm interested in those top three because the ABC priorities um, are primarily what you make all decisions by. Every decision you make is based on what you believe will give you the greatest advantage or disadvantage to what you value most. So knowing what that is and structuring your life according to that and delegating all lower priority things which distract you and disempower you and devalue you is one of the secrets of a mastered life. Of it, on this journey to the most valuable are generally well, the truest things are the most simplest. And I think people often overlook going into a value determination exercise um, because it it seems so straightforward that it possibly couldn't be as potent as you're describing it to be. Well, I've been blessed to utilize that in in many industries. Um, many corporations, some governments, um, educational institutions, healthcare. I mean, it's, it's being used quite a bit around the world now, and it's growing. So it, I think it's proven itself. It's, it, it's very helpful in helping people identify. In education, it's profound. Uh, nobody wants to go to school or go to work except for the sake of fulfilling what they value. So if a child doesn't see how the classes they're taking is going to help them fulfill their values, they'll be disengaged. They'll end up being falsely labeled. They'll be treated as an auto, from an autocratic perspective. They'll be labeled. They'll be diagnosed. And the same thing at work. When people, people don't go to work for the sake of a company, they go to work to fulfill what they value most. And if they don't feel that their value, they can fulfill their values in the job description, they're going to go out and disengage, and they're going to be looking for immediate gratification, which is, it leads to unproductivity. So values are crucial in the mastery of engaging people. That's crucial in all areas of life. When we communicate, we want to be communicated. A customer wants to be fulfilling their values. And if you don't sell a product, service, or idea in a way that fulfills their values, they're gone. Mm. And relationships that way. And if you're not congruent, you don't have leadership because you can't sustain leadership unless you're congruent. So all seven areas of life, values are a cornerstone. And that's why I, I emphasize that in almost every talk I give around the world. 
And um, so it's, it's an original idea, the, the synthesis, but at the same time, it's built upon um, antecedents. And, and having the, the wisdom to look back and honor that, those antecedent lineages um, is, is wise because Einstein was definitely a culmination of Herman Minkowski, Pythagoras, I, uh, Newton. He was, he was humbled by Newton's Principia, just absolutely humbled by it. He said, you know, how can one man put this together? And he, it inspired him to go, I, I'm going to dig deeper. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop till I find what he, what he wanted. And um, he challenged Philip Leonard and he challenged some others in his time. And that, that challenge made him study harder than most people. Mm. Can I ask you, um, I know you have a massive passion for wisdom and I personally share that as well. Um, is that the natural order of the universe, like this curiosity for wisdom? I believe it's innate within us. If we're in a survival mode and we're down in our amygdala function and we, we have Maslow's basic needs, you know, food and shelter and clothing and reproduction and stuff, wisdom is not, we're not ready for wisdom yet. Mm. We're in survival mode. So we're going to be hedonistically pursuing whatever will allow us to get those basics. But once we, self -act, we start to go towards self-actualization, we've basically got food and clothing and and uh, shelter and reproduction. And then we want, we want to move up. I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit Maslow, Maslow type. Uh, I'm not agreeing with everything he said in personality motivation, but, but some, um, but then you, you go there and you go, you know what, now that I've got a, I've got those things, I kind of like upgrade it. And I'd like to show people that I've done it. So you got to kind of go to survival from, from suicide to survival, then to, to kind of security I want to hold on to it. And once I got it and I'm secure about it, then I want to go to socialization, kind of upmanship people and kind of make sure that I'm a leader. Then you go to self-esteem where you realize, hey, I've done something. And finally, you go to self-other actualization where you realize none of that really matters. What matters is doing something that's extremely meaningful that inspires you, but also makes a difference in the world and contributes to the planet. And the people that are there are going to be seeking wisdom because wisdom is Merpertius's law of least action, the most efficient action a person can take to fulfill the greatest amount of results with the least amount of energy. Bill Gates says a great quote on a daily basis. He asks himself, what can I do to make the greatest difference in the world today with the resources I have access to? That's a, that's a wise uh, approach. So anything that's effective and efficient in space and time with energy and matter um, is wisdom. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. There's, um, there's something that I wanted to touch on in that as well is like you mentioned uh, before, which is inspiration and motivation. Um, and so the, the wisdom and the inspiration, um, I know that having been exposed to your philosophies that you see that as being much more intrinsic and motivation being a lot more external. I think that'd be something really um, profound to share um, just for the listeners. Well, I'll use the, the young boy again with his video games. Uh, you don't need to remind the boy to do his video games. Mm. It's intrinsic. It's a calling inside to get up and get up and do those video games. He'll do it and he'll want to go to doing it before he goes to bed at night and he'll get up again in the morning and he'll do it. And whenever you see intrinsic drive like that, that's where people catalyze their greatness. That's where they innovate most. That's where their genius is. is. Uh, but whenever you need to motivate somebody extrinsically, you know, with a, Punishment if they do it, a reward if they don't, some sort of incentive, uh, and it has to be extrinsically done. It means it's not meaningful to them. It's it's useless to them, and they're just having to do it. 
And anytime they have to do it, got to do it, must do it, should do it, ought to do it, supposed to do it, need to do it from outer sources, there's no way they can excel compared to when they are doing something that's a calling inside where they love doing it, choose doing it, and are desiring to do it. So intrinsic value um, is what we call inspiration. Some people call it internal motivation, intrinsic motivation. Those are all different words for the same thing. But I, I prefer inspiration because the people I know who are the most congruent with their highest values and most um, intrinsically driven are inspired. They're inspired by a vision. They're inspired by what they do. I, I had a lady when I, was, I teach a program called the Breakthrough Experience, which I've taught 1,041 times. And this girl uh, was there who's a, a pole vaulter, Olympic pole vaulter, gold medalist. And she was there with a coach. And they, uh, you know, when I talked to her, I, 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 I used her as an example. I couldn't help it. She was so inspired by pole vaulting that I said, in your space where you live, um, do you have pole vaulting everywhere? She says, my walls are pole vaulting. There's poles everywhere. I got videos of pole vaulting. I got magazines on pole vaulting. I've got medals on pole vaulting. I got my heroes on pole vaulting. My room is pole vaulting. My garage is pole vaulting. My space is pole vaulting. And what do you spend most of your time on? Pole vaulting. And what energizes you most? Pole vaulting. And whenever you get money, where does it go? Pole vaulting. And what is it you're, you're absolutely organizing in? My schedule of pole vaulting. And what is it you're most disciplined, reliable, and focused on? Pole vaulting. And what do you think about, visualize, affirm, and talk, and talk to other people about most? Pole vaulting. And what is it you have as an inspiration? Pole vaulting. What is it your biggest goal? Pole vaulting, gold medalist. And what do you love reading about, studying about, learning about? Pole vaulting. I said, now we have a congruent person. That's why she's inspired. That's why she's a gold medalist. That's a classic example. Yeah. Makes yeah. A lot of sense. So can I ask you, because there's um, a slightly personal question. So your, your, your intrinsic inspirations, um, there's a lot around wisdom, I know. Uh, but there's, is, it, is it optimization of the human experience? Or like, what is your inspiration that drives you with all the work that um, that yourself is carrying out in the Martini Institute? Well, I, I love learning. So I'm right before I was in with you, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm typing, researching on, online, uh, reading and, and updating manuals and books. And I'm constantly learning. And then I'm sharing. I have podcasts. I have four today. And uh, I had to fly in from Sydney and I'm going, I'm, I'm here in Melbourne now. And so I'm, I'm constantly doing, you know, education. So yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. if I'm not doing a, a presentation on a keynote, I'm doing a presentation, a seminar. If I'm not doing that, I'm doing a workshop. If I'm not doing that, I'm doing a, a one-on-one consult or a radio or a television or a newspaper or a magazine or a Zoom or a podcast or, or something. Uh, or I'll be starting to talk to people in a bathroom or a restaurant or somewhere where I'm walking. And um, so that's my nature is to, to share and to, to learn. And I love traveling. I want to travel the world. And so – I keep getting more opportunities to travel to all the countries. I've been to 141 countries. So I, 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 I mean, that's, that was a goal that I'm, since I was 17. So I just, that's what I love doing. I, I really don't have anything I'd rather be doing. And people think, well, you know, you're neurotic, you're obsessive and everything else. I said, well, in your values, that's the case. In my just an inspired man. I, I love what I do. So it, what inspires me is watching lives transform and making a difference. You know, I, I was, I had learning problems as a child. So I think that void gave me a big value and I had speeching problems. I had to go to speech pathologist as a child, so I couldn't speak. And those two things I'm sure gave me the perfect voids and the perfect uh, catalyst to do what I do today. So 
what can I say? I was born with all some braces on, so I felt constrained. So I want to be free to travel. So uh, all the all the voids that you have in life become the great gifts in life. I always say anything you can't say thank you for is baggage. Anything you can say thank you for becomes fuel. Amazing. And that's, um, and you've articulated something that I've come to discover through the Inspired Evolution again and again, documenting people's stories is the challenges forming the greatest gifts that we have. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like clockwork watching people that have, you know, lived out these, uh, how do I say this, almost living their legacy. Um, it's because they've come face to face with their greatest challenge and they've identified what was the medicine from their greatest challenge and realized that this medicine that has supported me, it, it, it has supported me so much that I must share this. And in that sharing, they end up leaving something great behind. Well, I think the voids determine the values. Um, I think that's necessary. I mean, some, some of the greatest healers had health issues. Some of the greatest, uh, in almost every field had those constraints. I worked with a lady on a plane one time that was, uh, had childhood, um, I guess you could say indiscretions in the family dynamic. And um, she ended up becoming a leader of an you know NGO that was a global thing that had millions of people involved in it uh, as a result of that. And I asked her, I said, you're trying to make a difference in these young children's lives. Isn't it interesting that the thing that happened to you that thought was so terrible is the thing that drove you to do all these great things? And she looked at me and she goes, never thought about it that way. I said, well, I, I'd say maybe it's time to thank, be thankful for that too. <laughs> That's part of the perfection too. I, like I said, if you can't look back at it and see with gratitude, you probably have a, a biased perspective on it. And so and the things that inspire you the most, um, these things that show up like energy that arrives. So I wanted to have a, a conversation about especially yourself because I'm fascinated by context again and again in terms of the messages. Um, I know there's a lot of wisdom out there, but um, context is everything. I'll just drop in with a quick example. I was uh, down the street the other day and this 60-year-old gentleman, he's, a, he's an amazing snowboarder, um, really spends a lot of time doing daredevil stuff. And he came up to me and said, you know, I, um, every decade life gets better. And this is not something I identified at 30. I thought life was going to get, you know, gradually downhill. And I was like, oh, that was a belief, but that was really interesting. And as soon as he left, um, the, the short conversation, this, this idea of context really anchored in for me because I was like, it's important to have context to the message as well because if that was someone that was perhaps 15, not that I would uh, shrug them off, but I, the message wouldn't have landed as clearly. Um, and so I bring that up as sort of like a framework to uh, guiding the next, next part of the question, which is the context of your life where you're loving to learn, you're sharing, you're traveling. Like you said, you're doing four podcasts today. There's so many moving parts to everything. And to an average person, that would be what is going on here. But because you're so clear on your values, um, the energy that arrives, can we have a conversation about the energy and, the, and how you made it make like, is it making it work or it just manages to work in that point? Well, let me show you something. Um, okay. So I, I learned a long time ago, very many years ago that if you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, it fills up with low priority distractions that don't. I think anybody who opens their eyes can see that. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I structure my day um, with everything detailed down to every hour. So right. when I'm up till the time I go down, I have an agenda of how I want my life to be. And so it's prioritized. So I have 
people, I have about 30 people that help me, um, uh, you know, coordinate things for me. Because I, 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 re- I only research where I travel teach. Everything else is delegate. I haven't driven in 28 years. I haven't, you know, cooked since I was 24. I don't do anything other than the highest priority things. It's that simple. I've just delegated it out to everybody else. Yeah. And I have, one of the things I've delegated is I've made a list of the things that I want to live my life hour by hour. And they're accountable now to fill the day with those things. So, so I'm getting to, to do what I set out to do. So I schedule things that way. Because at the end of the day, if you're not filling your day with high priority things, you have a devaluation and you have less gratitude. And gratitude is a, is a symptom, a feedback system to let you know um, whether you're living congruently or not. If you're not grateful, you're not living congruently. <laughs> you're not objective and not seeing things balanced and you're subjectively biased. And, and bore. anytime you're subjectively biased and infatuated with something, you're going to want to change you relative to others, which is futile trying to live in their values, or you're resentful to somebody, you're trying to change you to live them to live in your values, which is futile. So all that energy is just a dissipated energy that's not productive. But if you're really doing something that's really high in your values and prioritized, uh, you're objective, you're resilient, you're adaptable, you appreciate, you get things done, your self-worth goes up, you achieve more, and you, you go, wow, I want to get up in the morning and do that again. So once I've learned that, why waste my time on anything other than what works? It doesn't make any sense. So I fill my day. Like I said, that's that's the day. It's got everything laid out there. You may, can't read it, but it literally goes all the way through the day, and it has every hour covered. So I, I'm, uh, and people say, well, you know, what what, what about it? You know, flexibility. And I go, that's fine. Uh, if for some reason, since decisions are made based on whatever you believe will give the greatest advantage or disadvantage, if something comes up that's a greater advantage, greater opportunity, or greater fulfillment to me. I change this one, contact the people and said, I've decided to change this. Some graders come up and I remodel it. But if not, I stick to the things. And I find that when I fill it in advance with foresight, it doesn't have a lot of unexpected distractions. So you, entropy is a byproduct of non-negantropic activities. So if you're not prioritizing your life and living with order, it's, it's automatically designed to have entropy and disorder. And entropy and disorder ages you. So... I just, I, I mean, I have a, I, I've learned some things. I just do them. I don't, don't question about it. I don't sit there and analyze it or think about it. I just, it's just a habit. It's the way I do it. And it's functions. There's an amazing design to that. I'm not sure if I'm meant to share your age, but it's moving and shaking a lot of different things at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I keep a full day. I mean, I, I, yeah. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things uh, scheduled for the day. And, and each of those are like a podcast or meetings. I've got a meeting in India. I've got a meeting in Latvia, a uh, meeting in South Africa, and, and for podcast. And, and I just flew in from Sydney. So, and I had a meeting this morning at seven. Amazing. And so, in terms of to there which is delegation of stuff that is not your highest calling and not in your most but like bring you the most vitality um when did that process start for you and what does it look like and what do you recommend people delegate absolutely everything that does not serve their highest values well um i did start doing that at age 28 and uh so i've been doing it a bit yeah anything that doesn't anything that's not inspiring why why if you want an inspiring life how are you going to do it doing desperate things it's that simple. It's, it's, it's no, you know, it's very simple. 
Mm-hmm. Anything in a day, anything you do that's lower in value devalues you. Anything you do that's higher in your values invigorates and values you. And if you don't value you, the world isn't going to value you. So it's just a reflection of how you spend your time. You know, as, as Buffett was being introduced one time, and they said, how does he spend his day? He says, most, most of the time it's reading and contemplating and reading business uh, details and making decisions. And, and he, 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 he says no to everything else. If you don't say no to things that are low in priority, I mean, I had a lady the other day that came up to me and, and she felt she was, she was a bit of an opportunist and a bit um, up on herself, I guess. I don't know, she, but she, she came up and she said, demanded to uh, spend time with me. And I said, ma'am, you're not on my schedule today. I would res- be more respectful if you contacted my office and see if we can organize, create a brief, and let's see where we fit and where you fit in the thing. But to come and just expect me to take up my time right now, uh, I'm not. I'm going to say no. Thank you very much. And she was offended by it. And she said, "Well, you're you're uh, you're selfish." And I said, "Well, you're projecting yourself onto me. That word is your own selfishness, demanding me on a drop a drop of the hat to come and do what you want to do without even having a conversation with me." And so I'm going to put that back on you. And I'm going to get on about my way. Thank you very much. If you prefer to have time with me, contact my office, put a brief together, and and um, present it in a way that's more valuable than the other options I have for the day, and we'll spend some time together. And I'll look forward to that if you do. I'll just move on about my business. But you, you have to be able to say no to things that aren't priority if you're going to say yes to things that are priority. And when people sort of have their... Um their own agendas, which is, again and again, you know, we have our own uh, lens of the way we see things. Um, may I ask, what is the best way for one to interject our own patterns, our own way of seeing things in order to, let's say, like, I am running a program which identifies myself as selfish. What is the easiest way for me to cut through that so I can be like, okay, I want to live differently? Or am well, I- well, there's no such thing as a person that's not selfish. So I, I think it's a fantasy to think, oh, you're supposed to sacrifice your life for other people altruistically. That's just delusional. Okay. Uh, when, when each of us have a set of values, mm-hmm. when our values are supported, we tend to uh, minimize ourselves and exaggerate somebody else if somebody does something that supports our values. So if we're infatuated with somebody, we tend to put them on a pedestal, we minimize ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we resent somebody and they challenge our values, we tend to put them down and exaggerate ourselves. Right. When we exaggerate ourselves, we get narcissistic. We minimize ourselves, we tend to go altruistic. We're going to be bouncing around and oscillating around those two if we don't know how to maintain our own equanimity. Mm. When we do, we're going to oscillate between both. I have both. There's times I'm, I'm altruistic and I'll go and sacrifice time for people. There's other times I'm narcissistic and I'm thinking, back off, buddy. I'm, I'm to myself. And that's okay. You, you don't want to sit there and live in a, a polarized idealism that you're supposed to be a one-sided person. If I went up to you and, and I said to you, you are always nice, never mean, always kind, never cruel, always positive, never negative, always generous, never stingy, always peaceful, never wrathful, always considerate, never inconsiderate, always giving, never taking. And I said, and I said that about you, your bullshit meter would go off and go, that ain't always true. <laughs> and if I said to you, you're always mean, you're never nice, you're always cruel, you're never kind, you're never, you're always negative, you're never positive, you're always challenged, never supportive, you're always wrathful, never peaceful, always inconsiderate, never considerate, always stingy, never generous. And I said that to you, you're bullshit me to go off and go, no, that's not true either. But if I said to you, sometimes you're nice, sometimes you're mean, sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, sometimes you're positive, sometimes you're negative, sometimes you're peaceful, sometimes you're wrathful, sometimes you're generous, sometimes you're stingy. 
you would immediately go, that's true. Because you can't have certainty with subjective biases, polarized views, but you can have certainty when you're objectively balanced. So to have a pursuit, an, an idealism, a social morality idealism, you're supposed to be a one-sided person is futile. Mm-hmm. So I don't waste my time. And I gave that up when I was 30 years old, when I learned that. So I don't, I, I allow myself all sides. I allow myself to be, as Machiavelli says in The Prince, you know, as Castiglione said in, in his Catholic understanding, that I allow myself to be whole. And I don't need to get rid of any part of myself to be myself. And sometimes I'm very kind and sometimes I can be cruel and sometimes I'm nice and sometimes I'm mean. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Because I'm dedicated to speaking, if I meet somebody in education, if I meet somebody that has a similar set of values, they'll see me as dedicated and perseverant and consistent and they'll see me as hardworking. Yep. Well, yep. I, somebody that has a high value on family and social and, edu- and, and uh, you know, maybe exercise or fitness or partying and things, They'll see me as pig-headed, rigid, stubborn, addicted, neurotic. Mm. I'm doing the same behavior. People with different values will project onto me their labels. They will all try to project onto me what they think, how they'll get what they want in life. And they'll, they'll label me and use emotional blackmail to get me to try to be the way they want so they can get what they want. I mean, that's life. Right. So I, 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 I'm not so much interested in other people's perspective of me. I'm interested in what is truly meaningful to me. I'm interested in how do I deliver that into the world in a way that makes a difference and contributes to other people's values, as many as I can. And uh, whatever they say about me is fine. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Amazing. There's so much in that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to touch on education and why that is so profound. Um, I know it just happens to be something that perhaps you feel super aligned to, but it is the lever that creates the most maximum evolution. Like we talked before about um, the least action, um, but the most action. Um, uh, sorry, the, the the least action that you take, but the most um, the most positive um, in, outcome. Yeah, the most outcome that it can achieve, and just at the nexus of like what education really does for that, and what it is, and what it means to you, and why is it everything? Well, we have the capacity to learn not from trial and error like an animal, but we can learn by standing on the shoulders of giants with foresight and reading and mentoring. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why reinvent a wheel? Why come in and do like Groundhog Day and, and, and wake up and have to learn the same thing that's already been learned when you go read a book um, and educate yourself by a mentor on how to do something that's a lot more efficient? So I'm not against uh, an education that is teaching wise things. Now, there's much out there. As Dirac, the Nobel Prize winner, a particle and antiparticle physicist said, it's not that we don't know so much. We know so much that so. So it's not just education, it's education of wise principles. And the discerning those is the key. Because you can fill your day, as you can see in various extreme fundamental terrorists, you can fill your day with delusions. And, and then and just you know, go all day long reading one thing that's delusional and go out and do something delusional. Mm. And, that, and educate yourself on that. Or you can go and educate yourself on, the, on the, the things that stand the test of time that are truly meaningful on the planet. And I've, I've spent my life trying to study the most polymathic, most universal principles I can get my hands on for as many disciplines. I've studied 297 different disciplines for the primary purpose of trying to find the most universal principles among all those disciplines. So that, that increases the odds. It doesn't guarantee it, but it increases the odds that I'm building a foundation of knowledge on something that's true and meaningful. 
And I'm fascinated by mentioning that as well because, as you mentioned, the 297 different fields, I love how there is so much philosophical and spiritual background to like the context uh, that you're talking about, but it's the content is hard science, the way the brain relates to that, the way your life prints out your values and the way you, you interact with everything. In terms of, um, like, the next phase of where, you know, the research is going, um, any, any insight into, like, what do you believe is one of the most um, under-researched um, things that in society? Is it, is it our mind? Well, I don't think, if you stop and look at it, the most amazing structure ever been discovered by any human being is the brain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the most, uh, you know, we can find a planet, and that's interesting, and it's a series of geological formations. Uh, but the human brain is the most intricate, most complex, most specialized, most amazing structure ever found. And so, just like that lovely lady that is in love with the brain, she did a video on, on my love for the brain. It was 90s. I think that um, that is, is anytime we can learn how to maximize our brain function, that's the mediator for all of, of what we do. Now, I also think that as that crazy as it sounds, the study of axiology, which is a study of values, because our whole drive is value-driven, there's actually, that's the most significant study I've made, and yet it has the least amount of textbooks on the, in the, in, of any ology and discipline I've studied. It's kind of irony that, that the very thing that drives all of human behavior, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to South Africa in a, in a, in a few days, and I've been asked to help mediate a, a conflict between a Israeli and, and a Palestinian leaders. And, I, and, a, and so in the process of doing it, I'm going to be having a series of days. It looks like three solid days almost working with this. And each of them have a different value. And they both think they're right. And it's very subjectively biased. Mm. And they both have their stance. And they think peace will come when the, the other person finally gets some sense in and does what they think. And, of course, they're banging their head against the wall because they don't understand human behavior and human values, obviously, because that's not how it works. Um, you're not here to make them you. If any two people are exactly the same, one's not necessary. So one kills each other. So I, I think that, that the study of human values is, is, is not emphasized, and I, that's why I'm putting it in schools and, and getting it into the school systems as I travel because – it makes a difference for kids to know that their behavior is going to be based on their values. And when you're communicating with people, if you help them fulfill what they value most, they're very, very uh, fluent and they basically help you get what you want. You know, Zig Ziglar told me that when I was 20 and I, I see it now from a bigger and more broad perspective. And I think that, uh, so the brain and, and human values and, and the relationship between our life and behavior and our, how our brain works is, I've spent 40-something years studying the brain. I used to lecture on neurology on it, and I've written a big textbook on it, and I'm studying it and constantly building it and remodeling it as new information comes in. Fascinated by the brain. I think that some of the greatest thinkers in the world have been, you know, exploring the brain. So I think that that's part of our, our future, too. I mean, we're going to end up with computers. They're going to be competing with the brain, too. Yeah, it's a whole side of that. Um, no one knows what that's really going to look like. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I mean, I'm, in, I'm enticed by that. There was something you mentioned in there which is really valuable, which is um, you're describing these two leaders and how they, if one person shares the, the idea of another person, then one of them is, uh, I call it superfluous, um, but unnecessary is the word you used. Um, but, yeah, so in terms of that, I actually believe, and again, coming back to health and purpose, um, that being where most dis-ease actually sets in for society is when we're trying to model other people's values. Well, it's not so much modeling them as much as in injecting them in our life because of subordination. You know, if you see something somebody's doing and you think, you know, I believe that's wise and I believe that will help me fulfill what I'm here for. Uh, learning how they do it, duplicating that, there's, there's wisdom in that. But to sitting in blind submission and suppression of yourself and subordination to some outer authority that you've given power to, and minimizing yourself thinking that whatever they have, you don't, is, is the foolishness. Because I always say that the level of the essence of the soul, nothing's missing in us. But the level of the existence of the senses, things appear to be missing in us. And it's through our senses that we, we filter things through contrast and we break up our full conscious into conscious and unconscious splits. And we miss out on some of the parts that we have that we're dishonoring. But once we realize that what we see in others is inside us, as Schopenhauer says, we become ourselves to the degree that we make everyone else ourselves. Uh, then we end up realizing that we have a unique way of expressing what we see in others. Honor that and give, give yourself permission. We all have a desire to make a difference. I spoke to Krugersdorf Prison the other day in, in Africa. And, uh, you know, there, this is the maximum security prison of 25 years to life sentences for people, three stories underground. And, uh, you know, you have all these guys in orange uniforms. And I asked him, how many of you here, we're here for life, basically. How many of you, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're doing or done, how many of you have a desire to make a difference in the world? Every hand goes up instantly. But it's innate. It's innate within individuals to yearn to be stand out as much as fit in and to, to be unique and make a difference. And the way you make a difference is by living congruently with what you have as a unique set of values. Mm. So that con- uh, I love that um, potency of the continuation of contribution in every individual. That's really interesting. Well, I, uh, no, no fulfillment. I worked with a young boy yesterday uh, who lived on the streets for five years. Uh, he left home at a young age, like I did, and he um, was a street kid, and he was into drugs, and he's off the drugs now. But he realized that whenever he felt meaning on us, he would turn to drugs to escape. Mm. And, and we, we took the experiences that he had that he thought was meaningless, and we found meaning in them. We found out how they served him. And then I said, now, is there anything else that you've ever thought was meaningless in your life? And I had him scan. I only had an hour with him. I had him scan everything that I ever thought was meaningless, that was a mistake in the universe to him. And we went through every one of them, and we looked at how it was serving and helping him guide him to do something amazing. And he broke down in tears, and he goes, I can't believe I've never seen it this way. I'm Right now, I realize that this everything that's been going on in my life has actually been guiding me. And I said, exactly. And he goes, wow. And he just he gave me a big hug. I, I was like a father figure to him because he's so young. And he just gave me a big hug, and he says, I really now feel the difference. I really want to make a contribution. I said, exactly. Now, now focus on priorities and keep adding meaning and ask. Don't go to bed at night until you can see how whatever happened today, regardless of what it is, positive or negative, supportive or challenging, kind or cruel, 
how is it helping you fulfill your mission in life? What you feel is your calling. And if you do, you'll build momentum. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so I wanted to touch on one thing, um, which is you, you mentioned this quite deeply, and there's a, I think a lot of us have challenges with this, which is contribution giving and then also receiving, because you mentioned that your ability to give is, a, is intrinsically related to your ability to receive. Well, anytime you're self-righteously puffing yourself up with narcissism, and resenting somebody and looking down on them and you're thinking your values are more important than theirs. If that's a customer or an employee or a relationship, you're undermining the relationship mm. and you're literally undermining the relationship because you're projecting your assumptions and values onto them. And, they, and you're assuming that they're supposed to be, be interested in what you think is important. Yeah. And that undermines, if you're doing a customer, if you're not communicating the customer's needs and values, they go somewhere else. On the other hand, if you minimize yourself and exaggerate everybody else, the customer, the employee, or the others, you're, you're a doormat, and you're going to have chaos, and you're going to sacrifice your profits altruistically to keep the class, customer or the clients or whatever. So nature has what is called equity theory. And equity theory, if, we, if people study it, it's worth studying showing that nature is trying to find a sustainable fair exchange and a fair exchange only occurs when there's equity between you and the person mm -hmm. and equanimity within yourself. And if there's no equity between you and the person, there's going to be a symptom feedback mechanism to get you back into equity. So if let's say you're narcissistic in business and you think you know better than the customer, won't be long before you don't have any customers until eventually you go, you know what? I need to go find out what the customer needs to meet their needs. And then if you go too far in that other direction, you go, you know what, I'm, I'm now working my butt off and I don't make any money. So I've got to be able to have enough narcissism and enough altruism to balance to make sure I have sustainable fair exchange to make them and me both win. And so nature forces equanimity back on us. And that's why when we live by our highest values, where we have the most objectivity, we have the most equanimity. And that's why that living by your highest value is so crucial for the mastery of all areas of life. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So just as I, I can, <laughs> I feel like I could literally sit here and talk to you all day. There's uh, more than a wealth of wonder here. Um, but I, I want to ask, is there a message in your heart that is most potent that you want to share with, with the people? Yeah, to, to, to give yourself permission to do something extraordinary on planet Earth. The true you is extraordinary. It doesn't take any work to be ordinary, but it takes the willingness to dig inside and reflect and look with introspection about what's truly meaningful to you, to have the courage to say no to outside influences. I'd rather have the whole world against me than my own soul, as the old proverb says, and to pursue with priority uh, in a high priority action, daily action of the things that are truly meaningful and build momentum and perseverance towards that. Because, uh, you know, even though some people are challenged by Donald Trump, there's a few things I've learned from him because I've, I've spent some time with him. And uh, he has said to, to make sure you build momentum. Don't stop. Just keep going and do something until you build momentum and build a brand around it. And that's, I found that to be true. That's, I guess that's why I've been teaching 46 years because mm -hmm. I've built momentum uh, in, in the learning process and the sharing process. And I can tell people to give yourself permission to do something extraordinary by building momentum, by incremental uh, learning and the incremental action steps of refinement every single day and metric your achievements because when you really value something, you'll metric it to make sure you have feedback to remind, 
to remodel it to make it even more powerful and more effective and efficient tomorrow. If you do that, then it, you're unstoppable. There's, no, there's nothing that the mortal body can experience that the immortal soul can't love. And there's nothing that the inspired individual can't do that anybody on the outside has to interfere with. And it, you're, you're never a victim of your, your history. You're here to be a master of your destiny. Mm, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was so deep. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So just to, in the, in the last little wrap up, um, I really want to thank you for your time here today. I am, um, I'm really grateful, um, for the, just the potency and again, the context with which you share, um, so effortlessly the wisdom that, that is timeless, but also so practical, um, for us to live the most extraordinary, most empowered versions of ourselves. And um, there's obviously the meeting that we have here today, but also, you know, the, the past 46 plus years, you know, that you've put into to really dedicating yourself to all the work to precipitate into where we are today with everything for you to be able to share this wisdom with us today. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And um, please, please let people know about the, the value to determination because if they take the time to do that it can help thank you to yourself on a daily basis of course and um uh, at the moment as we're speaking this comes out he's touring around australia with the breakthrough experience um which i had a blessing to attend john speak um a couple years ago and absolutely like i said it was one of the most exciting um talks i've ever received uh primarily because our values are so aligned if i may humbly say so myself um but also because it like as you've discovered in this conversation now uh, there is so much insight in you know like you can peel back almost every sentence and there's more and more to dive deeper into and there's just a wealth of knowledge in there and it's really supportive um my last little question, and by no means my least question, is the question I ask everybody that appears on the Inspired Evolution. It's esoteric in its nature. Um, beyond the skin suit, beyond the teaching, beyond the traveling, beyond the name, uh, John, who are you? <laughs> well, that's the deepest mystical question we could ever in this fashion one of my friends in the 1970s 80s was a was a eastern mystic guru and he um i remember him sitting and doing a little presentation one time to about 30 or 40 people and and he asked that question who are you mm-hmm. and he said uh, you know are you your body and he says i could remove your arm and i could remove your leg i could remove your your eyeball i could remove an ear i could remove uh a lung, I could remove a kidney. I could start removing a great deal of you and you'd still be you. Mm. And, uh, and so uh, are you a physical body? And then, it, and then and he just kept doing these little, you know, antics to make people pause and think and go outside the thing. I don't know if anybody has ever, I mean, there's a, there's a belief system that we all eventually come down to that we go, well, I believe that we're a soul or I believe ourselves as a mind or I believe that we're ourselves as a body or I believe that, you know, we're, a bunch of uh, memories. I mean, I don't know if anybody can pin it down to what that final thing is without being narrowed down too, too far. Mm-hmm. But um, I, we may be that none of those things and yet all of those things. Mm-hmm. So we may actually be a field of consciousness that is happening to be permeating a, a, a body 
just like the cell res- the the cell phone has got a field around it, and yet it permeates the thing, and we can access the station if we tune to it. We may be something along that line, and even matter itself, we don't know what it is. It it could be just vibrations of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody can narrow down. That's the only thing we can say is that somewhere in Planck's dimension and Planck's units, um, there's a vibration. And somehow we came out of that. Mm-hmm. And some believe in an informaton field that's uh, running the cosmos. Maybe it's just a field of consciousness that we're temporarily under the illusion of a form that we're part of. I, I could go on for hours in different directions with different ones, and, and I don't think any of them can be pinned down as the final answer. Mm-hmm. But I'll just say that I'm, I'm could be nothing more than love. Love is a synthesis and synchronicity of complementary opposites. It may be, as Wheeler said in his writings, that it may be nothing but the, a universal field of love and that we're basically a field of consciousness expressing love in ways that, in the matrix that we don't even know, we don't even see, that we, we have limited constructs for. I don't know if I can answer that fully, but I could, I, I've certainly could probably go about a month on that discussion <laughs> thank you so much for such a uh, such a humble and such a uh, like a, a thought a well thought out but also felt through response really appreciate that yep thank you well thank you for the for the interview today i appreciate it <laughs> an absolute blessing john and so for those wanting to be, best get in touch with you it's um Dr. D. Martini, um, and to jump online and do the values exercise is the best way to, to get exposed to your work? Yeah, they, they're on my website, drdmartini.com, there's, a, there's a, a menu for doing the value determination. There's also um, a lovely complimentary, or there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of radio, television, newspapers, magazines, articles, podcasts, and things that they can go and learn from. Mm-hmm. And there's also an event calendar where I am in the world so they can see at least the public events, not all the private ones. Yeah. And um, there's also products for people in education. So if they take a browse at the website, definitely do the value determination process and um, keep an eye. We, we do complimentary webinars periodically and, and hopefully that I can be of service somehow in some way as they go through the website. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey Tribe, thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.